this is July 4th weekend, and it's a, a good reminder of the time to pray for those who are serving us in many different capacities. Some of those are serving us by choosing to be in government. Some of those are serving us by serving in our military, our civic servants. And the Lord teaches us through Scripture that those people have been placed, especially in government, in authority by the Lord. The Lord has allowed those people to be in our lives and also commands us to pray for them, to follow their lead while they're serving good. He doesn't say it, it matters if they're uh, in the party that you like, if they're your favorite candidate. doesn't mention approval ratings. It just says that we're to pray for those. So just take a moment and uh, think about the people in your community. Let me start with your local community and the people who are in a council or a mayor position who are serving your community. and Just pray for him or her. Pray for our representatives on a state level in our nation. And for those who are serving in the United States and abroad who are protecting the freedoms that we enjoy. Father, we just thank you for the incredible ways that you bless us. God, just being able to wake up this morning in the places that we live, drive what we drive, come to a a place like this to worship freely, God, to enjoy the the freedoms to do what we want today. God, uh, you've richly blessed us. And God, also given us responsibility. God, we just pray for those who are serving us in many different capacities. God, pray for those who are away from their families, choosing to serve us even in overseas locations. God, that just you'll be with them in a very special way today and this weekend. And God, help us to follow uh, those who, who are in those positions of leadership, to pray for those, to support them. And God, I just pray that they will be strengthened and led by you as you place them in authority and be accountable to you. In Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Well, some of you probably had the chance to do a couple of different things for the 4th of July. We, a little unexpectedly, made a family trip out. And as we were driving out, we were driving on July 3rd evening. And some people, I think, were just excited about 4th of July. So they're getting the fireworks early. So we're seeing those who are driving. And it just kind of, we had about two hours in the car. So it prompted a conversation in our car of, do you know why we have the fireworks? Well, and so we're riding with our girls. I've got a five, six, and seven-year-old girl in the car. Well, we're celebrating. That's a good state form. What are, what are we celebrating? We really didn't know. So, let's see, you know, there's a conversation that needs to happen uh, on my part uh, about what the 4th of July is about. And, uh, you know, there's, there's going to be some good teaching there. I want my kids to understand the freedoms that we enjoy and the history of our country. I, I want them to feel a a civic responsibility, not only serving in the kingdom of God, but serving their country and serving in their state, serving each other. I think that'll be a good thing. But, uh, you know, started thinking then about our topic for today as we're getting ready. And we came to Rock Point Church this morning. Some of you have been here for a while. Some of you are just checking things out. But I wonder, as you're here as a part of Rock Point, if you know what we're about and if you know why we're here, if you remember why we exist We're told that if you don't, if you take a group of people and if you don't repeat, 
probably about every 30 days or so, the mission and the purpose of why you're here, the, the purpose of your existence, the, the mission that you have in life or as an organization that people tend to forget that. You tend to kind of stop looking outward and, and start looking inward, kind of say, well, how are things meeting my needs? You know, is this really what I want? And how would I tweak things for me? Instead of maybe remembering uh, maybe the charter or why things started out. So I just want to remind you, uh, Ron was here a little bit earlier to the first service, and he talked about a couple of things. First of all, he talked about why we exist. And if you've been here as a part of Rock Point for a little while, you've probably heard this a little bit. If you walk out, if you haven't noticed it before, you probably see it painted on two pillars as you walk out, our mission statement and then kind of a vision process statement that we hold to in our church, things that we think are important. We didn't make these up. Uh, Ron didn't just have a good idea or, you know, Ron and Allison hanging out one day and thinking, I wonder what our church should be about. Uh, pretty much just based these things off of what Jesus taught. And so let me give you two passages that we've, you've heard before and we've taught here various times to just remind about why we're here. One of them is Jesus teaching in Matthew chapter 22, verse 37 through 39. Jesus is talking to the Pharisees and he replies to them and says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Wasn't a new idea that Jesus was teaching there either. He's pretty much paraphrasing what's in Deuteronomy, what the, the Jews have heard for a long time. But he's again reminding them it's not this is not a relationship. This is not he didn't come from moving of many laws, many things where we realize that we can't measure up. But uh, rather to say it's, it's pretty simple. It's really about relationships. We're supposed to love God and love each other. And so we've said that with our church. In fact, the mission statement that we have of our church, if you've heard it before, says that we are loving God with all that we are. And then there's a second part while making more and better followers of Christ. And that second part was not made up either. It was also spoken by Jesus. This is in Matthew 28. After Jesus is appearing again to some of his disciples, verses 18 through 20, he says, Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. So we have a charter given straight from our Lord Jesus 2000 years ago that we are to love each other, that we're to love God and we're to tell others about that. All of us have a mission. And so we have a very basic part and an even an easier way to remember that that's been broken down just in three words. I like to call it a process statement is that we, uh, we exist to do three things. We are a receiving church. And so if you're here for the first time or if you came five years ago, hopefully you've seen that. We place value on receiving other people. We are not a country club. In fact, we are, the church is the only organization that exists for the benefit of those outside of our walls. And so we're a receiving church. We want to meet people who have needs. We want to meet people who understand their need for Christ. We want to find people who don't understand their need for Christ and explain them to them, that to them. And share God's love with them. So we'll always be a receiving church. When we stop receiving, we've got some problems. And we need to, to change things so that we can do it again. When we filled up all of our seats, we're going to ask you to move. Because we're not done just with you. We know that we are supposed to receive people in our community and, and beyond. So we're receiving church. Then we have a mission to do. So we are an equipping church. As people come in, we are to help people understand what Christ wants for our life. We're to help you equip and the job of a minister. Uh, some people will think, well, the minister is here to kind of do all the work of the church. <laughs> you know, way to go. You go find the people who need to know Christ. 
You go tell them and and uh, I'll be here. You know, I'll worship by them when they come. But really, even a minister is here to help equip the saints, to help you in doing those things there. So we're to help equip believers to understand God's word for them and how that applies to their life. And some churches stop there. We receive and we equip, and that's a good thing. But but a third part there that's very clear that uh, Jesus told us there in Matthew 28 is that we are also a sending organization. We're a sending church. And sending can look like a lot of different things. Sending can look like when you come in, we'll talk to you, and we'll encourage you to volunteer, find a place that you can plug in in Rock Point Church. We might send you to the preschool ministry to to help with two-year-olds. We might send you out to be a greeter or an usher. We might send you to be a part of the tech team. We might have a lot of things where you can help out within the church. But we might also send you some other things, too. Uh, it may be that we are asking you to be a part of a two-hour mission experience. I saw that we have a group going to CCA tomorrow, 6 to 8, 7 to 9. I think it's in our little announcements there. But we have opportunities for you to be sent out into an organization in our community that is serving other people. Just a few weeks ago, our church had a shorter mission experience where some people were sent out, went to Tanzania to do a short experience to see uh, what is God doing and how can I be a part of what God wants for us. And sending may look like some of the things you're already aware of. We have people who have been sent out. We talked about Monica Miller a little while ago, who was a part of our church, who was one of you, one of us, sitting in the chair, and heard God speaking clearly to her that she needed to go. She needed to, to move to Africa. She needed to radically change her life and to be sent out. But we expect that we're a sending church and that everybody at a, as a part of Rock Point will see themselves as a sent person. You might be sent out of Rock Point one day. And not so much the part of, well, you know, I'm moving to Georgia. I need to take a new job, find a new church. It's kind of like Rock Point, not too big, not too small, and kind of meets my needs and not too contemporary, you know, but not really traditional. You know, kind of like my home I, I like right now. Now, you might be sent out. You might be sent purposefully. You might choose to leave Rock Point. God may tell you to leave Rock Point to do another work, an intentional movement for him. You might still be in your same home. That's a part of the vision for our church. And so it's something that, that we'd like to share for you. They, we have people uh, who have been in our church who have been sent out. In fact, in Rock Point's uh, history, just about six years old or so, we've started six church plants. It's been a part of our DNA. Interesting part about that is those people have been sent out from the church. It's not been someone we've kind of sent money to someone we don't know. And again, it was someone like me, someone like you, who was sitting here, hearing someone speak, listening to the Lord. And saying, you know, God may have something like that in my life. What if I risked and just listened to what God maybe had to say to me? What would he tell me? That's kind of a scary proposition, but what would God want? It's been interesting to see lots of different different uh, opportunities for people to go out. When Ron was here earlier, he had shared a couple of church planting statistics. I thought these were interesting to hear. And this would tell you, why do we do this? Why? Why is sending a part of what we do, or specifically, why do we start churches? Why do we plant churches? Why will Rock Point always be a planting church, one that sends people out? So let me give you a couple of stats that maybe help kind of define reality. Jesus' words are enough. You know, we could probably just stop there. But there's some things that further kind of show the need in our world today. Let me read you just a couple of these. During the last 10 years, combined membership of all Protestant denominations, churches like Rock Point, went down, declined by 9.5%. In that same 10 years, 
the population of the United States increased by 11%. We're losing ground. If Jesus gave us the Great Commission to go out and to reach all people, and we're thinking that we will further saturate our communities with the gospel, we'll continue to help people in Flower Mound and Double Oak and Argyle and the place that you live uh, to know about Jesus Christ and know about his life-changing power and to experience that, we're missing the mark. We're losing ground on that. Here's a second one. Each year, 3,500 churches close their doors forever. That translates to about 10 a day. 10 churches a day closing their doors. And yet, in the same year, only about 1,500 new churches are starting. The, it's sometimes a perception that, you know, we, we have a church on every corner. You know, there's churches everywhere. You drive by schools and it seems like every elementary school has a church. Why would we need more? But as you look around the nation, you see that for every one church opening its doors, two are closing. We have a, a need there. And it's not that all the other churches there are growing, are doing real well. I'm told about 90% of the evangelical churches are declining. There's only a small number that are increasing in their membership. So they're not all necessarily leaving the small church and going to the big church. It's declining as a whole. We're, we're missing people. More and more are falling through the cracks. There are 195 million non-church people in America, making America one of the top four largest unchurched nations in the world. A lot of times, even being here in Texas, we consider ourselves, we're the Bible Belt. We're we're a Christian nation. You know, we're going to go and send out to everybody else and, and tell them the good things that we've already understood. We're at the point that places that we've sent missionaries to are sending missionaries back to us uh, because we're we're missing the mark. We're losing generations where we have individuals who are just turning away from God. And if we really believe what the Bible says, that those people face an eternity without God, if they don't understand and accept his love now, we're in hurt and shape. We have a real job to do. And then finally, one of the stats, and I've seen this said a couple different ways, but basically, in the first couple years of a church plant, of a new church, they reach, the majority of the people they reach are new converts, are new believers. If you go to a church that's 100 years old, you know, God can work in in unique ways. God can always send revival and, and change hearts. But typically, they receive a lot of transfer growth, but not mission plants. Normally, a mission plant, a new church that's put out in an area, a new work that happens there, new relationships that begin there. Typically, most of the people coming in are new believers. Again, helping to fulfill the great commission that God has given to us. So we think that the church plant thing is pretty important. But not just that. I'd encourage you, just challenge you as you're listening today. We asked a couple of our church planters, a couple of people, again, who were sent out from Rock Point to go and do one of these works to come back and to share with you. One of those that's good just to, to give encouragement to you. Honestly, it's good because they need encouragement. Uh, they're really, truly on the front lines of what God is doing. And as exciting as it sounds, you know, kind of the ideas of the frontier and the Old West and, you know, how exciting it'll be to, to be on the front end. They could probably tell you it's hard. It's a hard time. They have hard days. They have hard years. It's not very easy. So they need encouragement from us as well. But the last part I'd encourage you as you're listening to them, as you're understanding how to pray for these different works that are happening, I encourage you just to, to, to risk and to ask the scary question of, how might I be sent? You know, maybe a step for you to be sent is, you know, I've, I've been 
sitting in church for a while and I've really never helped with anything. I've really never volunteered and maybe that's one of the things I need to do. I can use a talent I have or, you know, I can probably greet people at the door. I can help with six-year-olds. Maybe that's a way that I'll be sent. Be sent within our church. Maybe it's going to the neighbor that you haven't met yet, even though you've been in your neighborhood for months or years. Maybe I need to be sent to that person who I'm pretty sure has a need. And I don't know what else it could be. Um, I'm not going to play the Holy Spirit role. Um, God can speak in your life for himself. Let me tell you about a couple of people who uh, have been involved in missions here in our church. Uh, Luke tomorrow. We have Luke who is here uh, and Christine, his spouse. Uh, Luke has been doing a work in Soledad, California, and uh, been out there, I believe, about four years or so. And so Luke's going to share with you at the, the end of our service. Daniel Scott and his wife, Mindy, also here. Uh, we're here as a part of the church and are in Buckeye, Arizona. Uh, from what I understand, kind of out in the middle of nowhere, Arizona, and uh, have been called out to be able to, to reach really on the skirts of Sun City of a retirement area. And he'll be able to tell you about that. And he'll be speaking to you second. Channing Park. Uh, is at a different phase. Is that really a, what would God have for my life? What, what, what kind of work is God doing? Kind of in that, those, those beginning planning stages. And so it'll be interesting to hear those parts in different areas. Uh, also, some of the ones that we've had, Kevin McGill was here last hour. He's also, like Channing, in those phases where he'd say, you know, what, is, what does God have for me? I'm kind of planning, building relationships, working on logistics, and seeing what God has for him to be able to start, hopefully, in fall of 09 in downtown Dallas. Brett Stair is one in the, the Hasslets area, uh, close to Alliance Airport. Brian Blendon has been set out to the, the south, south Denton area over in Corinth. We've talked about Monica Miller's out in Tanzania. We have others in our church, interesting relationships, and just amazing how God brings those people. But, but again, uh, the part I think I want to emphasize is it's, it's you and me. It's everyday people that, that God chooses to use. And uh, so how could God use you? Right now, let's have Channing come up and uh, begin to speak to you. Just be in prayer for them, but also just in prayer for you as well. Good morning. I never thought I'd be up here sharing this with you. It tells you what God can do in your life. It's kind of scary. Um, but I want to share a passage with you out of the message in uh, Matthew chapter 11. And it's been one of those running themes in my life. And I can't underscore the importance of the role that God's Word has played in my life and him prompting me to go and take this step of faith. Uh, in Matthew chapter 11, he says, Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. The church name that we, my wife and I came up with after meditating on scriptures and praying and seeking God's will is Sanctuary. And you can hear it resonate in that scripture. A place where people can come and take a load off and rest, and know that they're going to be in a safe environment. And, more importantly, the calendar, the true living God. And that's what's so important. So part of my vision, part of what I feel like God is prompting Nicole and I to do in, in Louisville, and I know it's just right around the corner, and you're probably thinking, why is he planning a church in Louisville? I don't know either. Um, <laughs> but the important thing is, is that we're trying to be obedient, but we want to build a church where it provides a safe environment where we can all come together and recognize our own brokenness. And C.S. Lewis calls it, I love it, he calls it, we're all bent. We're all bent. And we need to come to be able to come to a safe place where we can embrace that bentness, if you will. And that's part of the vision I think God has implanted in my heart uh, for sanctuary. And the reason why that's so important 
is because I really want Sanctuary Church to be a place where we can confess. We're a confessing church. Now, as churches go, we're really usually pretty good about confessing our faith. But we forget the other aspect of that confession, and that the Scripture encourages us to confess our sins to one another. I want us that part to be very active in our act of worship, and so that we can build true, intimate relationships. You've heard terms like authentic and real, and it seems like it's just a marketing ploy. But at the core, when you encounter a true living God, and you work and make connections in a relationship, healthy relationships, you have true intimacy. And I want people to experience that. Because in the context of those relationships, we can actually find that rest. We can actually learn and hear the Word of God, the Spirit of God speaking to us. So that's one aspect of the vision that I have for our Sanctuary Church in Willisville. The other part is, is I want us to be a serving church. And I love Christian organizations, you know, CCA, what they do in here, and different orphanages, and that's great. And I don't want to take anything away from that. But I believe God is calling Sanctuary Church to be a church in the community of believers who are going to go out and serve in secular roles. My wife currently serves on a drug awareness program for LSID. And that's a way to build relationships in the communities. If I had my brothers right today, I would love to see Sanctuary Church to be there right next to the Louisville High School, having after-school tutorial tutoring programs for kids, at-risk kids, to be actually engaged in the community and saying, how can we serve you best with no agenda? We're not here to peddle an agenda. We're here to serve you and to build upon those relationships. So that is, I think, critical that we be intertwined with the lives of the community that surrounds us. And basically, those are the couple of things right now that we're going through, and we're going through the planning process of how to implement that, really seeking God's Word. I really encourage you to pray for Nicole and I. I know sometimes as Christians we say, you know, well, I'll pray for you, and it gets on a docket somewhere, and, and it becomes a leaflet in your Bible, and, and you forget about it. But if God really brings you brings you my name and my wife's name to pray for us, spend a few minutes and pray for us. We desperately need that prayer because we want to reach out in this community in Louisville. And the last part of our, my vision actually for Sanctuary Church is the term bridge builders comes up on my mind. And it, relationships are obviously a part of that. But if you take a look at Louisville from a demographic standpoint and the different races that are actually there intermingled, it doesn't take long to see that there's specific hardcore barriers between the races, and I would love to see a reconciliation there. To see an opportunity that God is a God of all people from all nations, and that they can come to a church where you have an Asian guy from Southern California speaking to a Texas African American, and we can share that love and connect to one another. So I just want to share you my heart and my desire for this church, and I want to thank you for your time. And also to say, if the Holy Spirit is prompting you and you're getting a little bit of a heartbeat, and if you want to join us on this ride, we're accepting applications. <laughs> so I just want to let you know that. Thank you for your time. Huge and really awesome to see. The biggest support or change for me that they provided was, was going from treating uh, religion kind of as something you do to more of a relationship that you have. And that's been pretty important and a big change in my life. We want to thank the Church at Rock Point for supporting our church. 
I, I really enjoy the, uh, the fellowship that we have, all the, all the young people and the older people that I've met at our church, how the communities come together. It's kind of like a big family, especially for my daughter. She's got a lot of friends. We do a, a lot of outdoor activities that wouldn't be possible if it wasn't for that kind of thing. The Sunday school is wonderful. Charles really likes it. Um, the church has been a wonderful support group, not just for each of us individually, uh, me as a mom, Michael as a dad, and Charles as a son, but just as a family. It's been wonderful. We have a lot of support. We have a lot of friends. Um, and we really appreciate you, you helping get that started for us. My name is Alan Wells, and this is my wife, Janet, and we just want to thank Rock Point Church for your support and uh, everything that you do for us. It's a real blessing. Thanks. This church has been a real connecting point for the community um, with uh, believers and unbelievers alike, and I know that um, Janet and I feel like this church has been a godsend for us, that even bringing us out here has been a real godsend um, and just divine appointment. Um, we just are really enjoying being part of the church, uh, enjoying being worship pastors of the church, and it's um, just been a real blessing for us. First, I want to apologize for the quality of that video. I have to say the, uh, the editor, producer, director, and cameraman were all inept. That was me. Um, so that's why I can say that. No, uh, I, but I wanted you to see, um, so often when we talk about supporting churches, that we think, well, I support the pastor or I support an institution. But I wanted you to see that it's about people. And that it's about people whose lives are changing. Um, I specifically chose these people because the first voice you heard, you didn't get to see him because the quality of video was terrible, but the first voice you heard talking about the difference that he found that this book isn't a book of law, but a book about a relationship. Uh, he had a Catholic background. His name was Adam. He started uh, coming to some of our sports activities. We have a Saturday morning basketball and a Sunday night uh, flag football. Uh, just to let you know, we have a community basically that they, we're kind of in the middle of nowhere in that it's 12 miles to the closest grocery store. We have a gas station. But it's a master planned community that eventually will have everything. And we have an active adult side, which has about 800 homes. And then we have a family side, which has about 150 Um when we got out there, we were actually the 13th home on the family side. So uh, even though the, the economy's down, they're still building homes and filling them up. So they're not having any problem out there actually getting people in. The prices have just lowered, which is actually a good thing. But Adam, um, he came to know the Lord three weeks ago. Uh, we were talking. He comes from a Catholic background. And we decided to do discipleship. And he... The first 20 minutes of our first session, he was like, I don't know if I'm a Christian. And we started talking about it. And he's like, I've always done all these things, but I'm not sure I really believe what I said I believe. And so we went through and for four weeks we went through and he asked all the questions that he'd never gotten to ask before. You know, in, in, in most churches, there's not a lot of places to be able to ask those questions one on one. And... uh through that process, he came to know the Lord. The second couple, uh, Joe and Rebecca and their little girl, um, Joe's a plumber. Uh, he came out and did some plumbing for me. And while we was out there, uh, he started questioning whether we were a church or whether I was a pastor who loved him unconditionally. 
he had grown up in the church, and yet he grew up in a family that beat him. And he moved to a foster family where he was uh, really restricted in what he could do. And even though as a child he came to know the Lord, his understanding of the church was way different. And so when he got here and we were really talking and communicating, his thing was, do you love me? Do you love me for who I am? So he started telling me every single terrible thing he ever did. And at the time, I'm like, you don't really need to explain it all. You know, he wanted to share every little sin. But his his real question was, do you love me? And since then, God's really started transforming his life. He's our head greeter. He has tattoos from the tips of his fingers all the way up. And what's funny is, is you have people come to our church and he's the first one to greet them. And they know that this is the church that accepts everybody. So it's really great to have somebody who, um, you know, is real. Um, the uh, the last couple, Alan and Jana, Alan is our worship leader. And uh, just to tell you the story of faith, two years ago when Ray and I started praying about this church, um, we didn't know what we were going to do for music. I can't sing. I'm really bad. And Ray is worse. So we were in trouble from the beginning, and we were praying, and we were just looking like, okay, God, how about some someone from the college, or um, you know, how about just someone nominally who can maybe play a keyboard or a, or a guitar? God had something so much greater. A week from us being there, Alan and his son were walking by, and God kind of had me grab him and say, you know, what's going on? And uh, we started talking, and through that, we became. Uh, discipling, one-on-one mentoring. And I come to find out that he's served in churches as a worship leader before. Not only that, he's actually, um, even though he works full-time in in another industry, he helps play for professional musicians who record. He's an incredible musician. And uh, in the end, God led him to be our worship leader, which you asked him and you saw he, he didn't really know why God moved him out there. But it was to supply a need. And what's really incredible is the fact that we were willing to settle for the minimal, and yet God was willing to give us something great. Um, the week before we met in our school for the first time, we were meeting with some families at, a, at our homes. And the week before, Ray and I showed up to church at my home, and we were it. And so we started thinking, all right, God, you know, what's going on? And uh, God gave us this verse in Second Chronicles 16.9. It says, For the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to Him. And we prayed, Lord, let us be fully committed to You and just give us the strength to believe that You're going to do whatever You want to do and for us to just get out of the way. The first Sunday we had 36. Uh, since then, uh, God has continued to add Three weeks ago, which in the middle of the summer is not a good time considering we have a lot of active adults who are gone. They're uh, snowbirds. Uh, We got over 100. Um, But it's not about the numbers. It's about the people. And these people, um, the one thing I feel like God told me to share with you guys and has me share everywhere we go is in meeting the active adults, they have a community that's off by itself. All of these people have retired. Um... They were looking for something great when they retired. So they came to a community where there's a golf course and huge swimming pools and workout facilities. And they're away from all these 
lousy kids that scream and yell and they're in their own community and this is going to be great. So many of them have no contentment at all. Even some of the ones who claim to, to be Christians and who have talked about serving the Lord for the last 40 years, what they've done is they've decided to retire from ministry, from the kingdom. They retired from everything. And I looked at my life when I was hearing these stories and I thought back to five years ago when I was working in my job and, and my wife was working and my goal was to retire early, move off to a lakeside community and be able to just enjoy life. And I think, boy, I'm so glad God didn't let me do that. Guys, let me tell you something. God never calls you to retire from the kingdom. You are, you are in the kingdom for a reason. And you need to find your place in ministry. Whether that's in this church serving in the preschool or the youth or wherever God would have you. Or whether you're the next one that God's going to call out of here and send you out to the middle of nowhere. But whatever it is, don't ever believe that the end is going to be you being content, being out by yourself, serving yourself. That's not what God would have for you. Guys, we thank you so much for supporting us. We love you guys. Thank you very much. Hi, y'all. My name is Luke Navarro. I'm the pastor of Solidad Community Church. It was about five years ago that I was right here amongst you. Well, not quite right here. We were across town at, uh, I think it was called Lantana Elementary School, uh, moving chairs, when God called our family to uh, a place called Soledad. The city of Soledad in California is uh, amongst the most unreached in the country. An average of about 3% of the people there uh, identify themselves as evangelical Christians. In a town of 15,000, there was one evangelical church. Now there are two. And uh, when we were called there, uh, I'd like to tell you that uh, things went right, that many, many people came. But the truth is, I can't tell you that. If I'm honest, it's the hardest work I have ever done. And there have been plenty of nights that I have wept over the loss of Solomon and wondered to God why he decided to send me to such an arid place, to such parched people. And when I wonder, God reminds me that while we have not yet gotten to see the many come, we have gotten to see a few transform. I think of men and women and children who come and by the power of the word and our community learn to have a new life in Jesus and to walk in his way. I think of Fred and Michael Martinez, father and son estranged for more than 10 years. Each one had their life going in the wrong direction. One day we knocked on Fred's door and he decided to come. Within weeks his life was being healed. He decided he would invite his son back into his life and his son to his church. In time, they learned to love again. And Michael became the first person that we baptized. I think of Dennis, who was once so hurt by a church that he and his family stayed away for years who the first time I met him walked right up to me, introduced himself and said, I want you to know we may show up from time to time, but this is never going to be our home church. Today, Dennis is the best leader I have. I wouldn't dare think about doing church without him. But more than that, 
when I was sick, when I was in the hospital and unsure about what my future was going to bring and the need of a pastor to come and take care of me, Dennis was the one who showed up. These are our work. It's not the work that I expected, but it is the work that God willed for us. We're here today to say thank you for being a part of that work. Thank you, Rock Point Church, first and foremost for being our friends, for loving on us, for thinking about us, for praying for us, for emailing, for calling some of you, for coming to visit. Thank you for calling us back home. Thank you for everything you do. Thank you for measuring our work and reminding us when we forget of its value. We love you and we can never tell you how much you mean to us. Why don't we pray together? Heavenly Father, we are so thankful for the people of Rock Point Church. Lord, for their vision to be a church that receives, that equips, and that sends. And Lord, today we are thankful to celebrate those sent out ones, those who live and work on the edge of the kingdom. Lord, for Daniel, for Channing, for Kevin, Brian, Brent. Lord, we ask that you encourage them, support them, allow them day-to-day victory so that they can see the kingdom of God being built because of their faithfulness. Lord, we know that you can do these things. And so we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.